Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is different and better with my friend, Nick Dangles. How's it going, Nick? Hey, Joe. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on again. It's always great to be here. Yes, it's great to have you on here. So, Nick, before we go any further, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're at today. Yeah, so my name is Nick Dangles. I've been in transportation for the past 10 years or so, and my company is Kinetic. At Kinetic, we work with freight tech companies to get their products to market more quickly and a better adoption. In a nutshell, we're consulting for freight tech companies. We specifically work on things like sales, marketing, and customer success. But just on the freight tech end, right? Mostly on the freight tech end. We also do work with brokers on the marketing side of things as well. But they're the the tech-centric brokers, right? Yep, predominantly. Or the people who serve the tech-centric brokers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the bulk of our business is the freight tech companies. Excellent, excellent. So, Nick... Let's talk a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us a thumbnail. You were on my podcast once before, so we don't have to go in the whole whole uh, yeah. Dangles history. I won't put you through that again, but... Uh... <laughs> no, I always like going through the story. Give us a little bit of your background. No, so I'm originally from Champaign, Illinois. I grew up there, went to college there, and then moved up to Chicago for law school in 2005, went to Loyola, Chicago. I'm clearly not an attorney anymore after an illustrious career, I decided to retire and kind of fell into logistics. And that's where I've been for the past 10 years, all in domestic transportation brokerage. And recently, over the past year and a half, we got Kinetic up and running. Nice, nice. So, Nick, when you were on my podcast before, I thought it was really funny. You said you were an attorney and then you really weren't into it. So you said, I got to make this switch. And then you said, I got to get into sales. And you told me, well, tell me, tell again about your 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 transition job, oh, yeah. that door to door salesman. No, I left out the transition step, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, after law school, I like I ran into the unique problem of being like both overqualified and underqualified for jobs. Right? I was trying to get into sales. I wasn't enjoying law, but the problem is I didn't have any sales experience. So nobody was going to hire me for an experienced sales job, and. I also had a law degree, so nobody was going to hire me for an entry-level sales job because they figured I would bounce after six months and I found after I found a better job. So I ended up selling office supplies door-to-door, which was like both miserable and humbling. I mean, at the time, it was terrible. It was hugely demoralizing. But at the same time, I learned a lot from it. I wouldn't change the experience for the world. It's like and, boot camp. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of the lessons that I learned just traipsing door to door in Chicago in the middle of winter, in the middle of summer, trying to sell office supplies, I mean, it stuck with me for the past 10 years. You know, it's a big part of the reason why I've had some of the success that I've had. So I, I wouldn't change it, though at the time, really, really low point in my life. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine like mom and dad are like, so he, sent, so he went to University of Illinois, it's a top-notch university. Then he goes to Loyola and gets a law degree, that's a top-notch university. And we're right here in Chicago where everything's happening, and our son is doing door-to-door. Well, I mean, I we love him to we... death, and we know he'll figure it out, but this can't be where he's going. I mean, we joke around that I'm a cautionary tale, right? So my folks are both doctors, and I end up majoring philosophy. There was no high, there was no, uh, high expectations then. <laughs> no, but like, here's this kid majoring in philosophy in college. God knows what they thought about that. 
Then I decided to go to law school and believe it or not, doctor is not the biggest fan of attorneys. And then I ended up selling office supplies door to door. Now I'm in freight. My parents are just looking at me going, what is this kid doing? But yeah. here we are. I've, I've luckily yep. had a degree of success doing things that I've been doing. So, you know, it's, it, it is interesting when you get, you had all this education and obviously a smart enough guy and that comes through. But sometimes when you're 22, 25, 27, whatever it is, and you don't have a lot of the work experience, your thought of yourself is that, oh, I, I, I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to get into a, a career. And I have two daughters, so I watch this process of getting out of college and, you know, you, you, you struggle for a little while and it's, it's, it's a scary time. And see, I was lucky. I started working at 19. I knew I was, I knew I was the bottom of the barrel mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was a runner <laughs> for an engineering okay. company. And I worked at my dad's engineering company. I like swept the floors and, you know, do some engineering work, you know, low level. But I, but that was different because you get, you, you know, you're at the bottom, but when you get out of law school and Loyola and all these friends are like, where have you been recruited to? <laughs> and then you're like, yeah. yeah. And you know, I mean, I, not, like not this isn't this. really the, the goal of the podcast isn't therapy session for Nick, but I'll tell you. <laughs> sure it is, Nick. We can change the title. <laughs> therapy for Nick Dangles. <laughs> but a lot of my problem at the time, I was too focused on what I thought I was supposed to be doing rather than what I actually wanted to be doing. And right. like law school and practicing law was a byproduct of that. You know, I, everyone kind of talks about how you need to enjoy what you do. And I wasn't doing it because I was enjoying it. I was doing it just because, well, like I majored in philosophy. I got to have a career. What's my next logical step? And the next logical step was law school. But like, lo and behold, put me in a freight brokerage. And all of a sudden I'm in this fast paced, dynamic, exciting environment. I'm like, oh my God, this is a job that I can have. This is fun. You're going to pay me to do this? Like, let's go. Exactly. Well, it's funny because I was in, I worked in engineering because my dad owned an engineering business, and when I was yeah, after I got my degree, I didn't my I halfway through engineering school I got my business degree, and I remember thinking, all right, now I got to focus on engineering school, and I started thinking, you know what, engineering school is hard, and I'm doing it at night, and I thought, I'm not even that wild about it. Like I'm, I, I, I like the money that was one <laughs> that got paid well, but after a while I was thinking, why am I getting a degree in something that I don't want to stay doing and that was a that was a it's just the same thing when you're a lawyer you're like i went to loyola i'm a lawyer for god's sakes the world is my oyster and then you're like not if i don't like it yeah but anyway this this kind of speaks a little bit to well well, before we get into the topic again which is different and better with nick dangles what hold did you see in the market when you guys started Kinetic? I know you started with your partner, uh, Ryan. And uh, what, what hold did you see in the market that made you want to start Kinetic? No, it's a good question. And it's like you mentioned Ryan. He's more of an advisor for Kinetic while working full-time at Carrier Direct. But we've known each other for 10 years. He's the guy who got me into the industry. And we just noticed over the past several years that there tends to be a disconnect between freight tech companies and freight companies. You know, On the freight tech side... A lot of people are doing genuinely amazing things with tons of innovation, but oftentimes they don't have much freight experience or they just struggle conveying their message to the freight side. And on the freight side, you know, I don't like calling them stuck in their ways, but they kind of are. For every are, yeah. yeah, for every company jumping on board with technology, you've got 20 more still using their notepads and their Excel spreadsheets. And the crazy thing is they're cool with it. Right. Right. You talk to someone who's been doing this for the past 20 years using their notepads and Excel spreadsheets and introduce a new technology to them. The reaction oftentimes is, 
well, why do I need this? The, what I'm doing right. right now is working. Well, if you see somebody and let's just say they're, you know, my age in their fifties and they've been successful and a lot of people have mm-hmm. been very successful and they were guys who were hustlers. They were good at the phones, right? And they were, they were, could be counted on and they built these personal relationships and you say, I know some things. I know how to move freight, right? Yeah. And then somebody says, yeah, but there's technology and you need to adopt that. I, I can see there being a little bit of resistance where you're like, ah, you know, we'll use the basic technologies, you know, not like they're completely against it. I, but I can imagine some people saying, hey, let me off here. I don't, I don't want to play, right? The game's changing. I don't want to play. I can see yeah. people saying, I'm going to sell or I'm I'm going to avoid it for as long as I can. I can see lots of avoidance of tech. <laughs> yeah, and I mean I like I I call them stuck in their ways. I don't I don't mean that universally or disparagingly. Right. I mean there are right. lots of companies out there who are just at the forefront of technology, and there's there are a lot of very difficult problems in transportation that they're trying to solve. Right. But at the same time, there's also a significant portion that. That, that do kind of have that reluctance to embrace technology. Right. So we're like we're working with freight tech companies, like I mentioned, on just getting their message across with sales, marketing, customer success. Well, I know you guys are doing well. So excellent. So the other day I had uh, my podcast Tim Reister, and he talked about growing sales. And and one of the things he talked about is t- two buckets of sales. So you had your existing customers, you want to expand your business with them if possible, right? You want all, if you don't have all their freight, you want all their freight. If you have three quarters of it, you want 90% of it. And he talked about acquisition. So I think usually when we talk about, you know, sales, we're talking about acquiring new business. And one of the things he said is, and by the way, Tim, I'll put that, I'll link that podcast to this one in the show notes. But one of the things he said is, when you're trying to acquire new business, you have to get people kind of away from status quo. They're at a, they're at a place where they're, relatively happy, not planning on changing their 3PL, not planning on adding new carriers or new new brokers, right? So you have to have a message that makes them get off that status quo, right? And so it has to be a little bit disruptive. And when we're talking, you know, uh, prepping for this, we talked about needing to be a little disruptive and a little bit different and better is kind of what we're using is disruptive. And it can't just be the same. If it's the same message as their current guy is giving them, why move? <laughs> right? Yeah, and it's like it's funny that you reached out to me about this podcast because I had really just recently put out a couple of LinkedIn posts about a similar subject because right. a lot of brokers specifically that I talk to have the problem or think they have the problem that it's tough to differentiate or make different and better one broker from the rest of the competition because right. they all do largely similar things. But my opinion is that it's not that difficult. It's it's more so that you're just not looking hard enough for ways to differentiate yourself because there are plenty of ways out there. Right. And, and you said not looking hard enough. It's not that hard. And we'll go into some of these. It's not that hard to just begin to differentiate yourself. And and I think this is this is important in any business, but virtually every business in the world has I shouldn't say every business. A lot of business in the world have competition that can do exactly what they do. So you're always trying to differ, differentiate yourself and make yourself different and better. And I think, again, getting back to Tim Reister's podcast interview, he said when you're reaching out to somebody and they kind of have this RFP mindset, right? I'm going to want you to get in these five columns so I can compare you against these 10 other guys. 
he said, if they've got four columns, you need to add a fifth column. That's something that you're doing that is ideally different and better. So kind of force them into a perspective of, oh, I can't compare Nick with these other guys because Nick does this and this and they don't, right? Yeah. There was an old school thought, and I don't think we have any more. An old school thought is if as a salesman, you failed if they're asking you to be part of the RFP because you should be able to to connect with them in a way that is so different that they go, this guy's got unique insights. This guy's got a unique product. He knows us better than the rest. We're just going to give him the business. That's that's old, by the way. That That's not the idea. You can't get that all the time. <laughs> no, but I, I love that you use the RFP example because like particularly in my experience, it, if you're entering into an RFP and it's exclusively price-based, cost-based, if you're a small to mid-sized broker, I mean, almost don't even bother. You know, like you're not going to win the business if it's exclusively based on just lowest rate wins. Like you should always have these like pre-bid conversations with your potential customers to one, like figure out what they're looking for. And if it is exclusively cost, well, Mm -hmm. that's going to be a problem for you. And two, to figure out where you're going to fit in and to, like you said, create that fifth column of the column of four and figure out how you're going to convey that to that prospect. Yeah. It, 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 it's not an easy thing, but it's a necessary thing. So I'm going to date myself, but I don't mind. People know I'm not getting any younger over here. It reminds me when I I had albums. You look it up, Nick. Mm-hmm. You Google it. I'll Google it. I had albums back in the day, and I remember. Are they like big CDs? <laughs> yeah, they're like I just big said CDs. CDs I'm nice covers, right? Yeah. So So I remember when punk or new wave came around, and all of a sudden I had new albums. And, you know, I've got, <laughs> I've got my old albums here and then I got my, I, I kind of, I, I saw them so different that I looked at it as almost like two collections where I was like, okay, here's like the clash over here and <laughs> sex pistols, all these new bands. Yeah. And then the old bands over here, like a fog hat and <laughs> queen and one led Zeppelin. It mm-hmm. wasn't that I didn't like them. They were just different and better than my new ones all of a sudden. So anyway, it's not an easy thing. And it's not an easy thing to think about how do i how do i start getting customers to see me as different and better how can i get my messaging to be different and better so and and i know you guys do some of this at kinetic that's part of what you're doing is helping customers say hey guys we got to come up with a new message here this this you're, you're you're coming off as too too much the same and you have more to offer so let's talk about some ways we can differentiate ourselves make yeah. ourselves different and better what's the first one so the first one I would say is specialization. You look at all of the different websites and some of the content put out by brokers, and a lot of it's very cookie cutter. You know, right. I'll give an example. I was talking to a broker the other day, and based on his website and everything, you would assume just kind of run of the mill, dry van, flatbed, reefer, like runs the gamut, all right. different types of commodities kind of kind of kind of broker. But I'm talking to this guy, and lo and behold, eighty percent of his business is consumer packaged goods. He has like multiple Fortune 500 customers. He's won awards from those customers on service. He like he's legitimately extremely good at consumer packaged good freight. But looking at his content, it's nowhere to be seen. I mean, he's right. got more he's got more flatbed promotional material than he does CPG material, right. and he doesn't even do any flatbed freight. So <laughs> talking to this guy, it's just tough to make heads or tails of why isn't he putting this out into the world? Why isn't he marketing? this specialization because it's a great way for him to set himself right. apart from the rest of the pack. Right. That's so true. And, and and this was actually Tim Reister said this in the podcast is 
one of the ways you can come up with kind of disruptive disruptive messaging is to know an industry really well and to specialize in it. And ideally, when you say consumer packaged goods and say, hey, I understand the unique problems with consumer packaged goods. Let's just say we're, we're, we're delivering them to retail. I know about on time and in full. Mm-hmm. I know about uh, the challenges at the port. I know about, you know, whatever their unique challenges are, you want to become an expert in those challenges and those problems and the solutions that you bring to it. But also, once you have that, you have that, you've, like that your, your customer there has, then you have to make it clear that we have an area of specialization. I've done some websites in the past with this idea. On your main navigation where it says about and, you know, all the you know, the services, there should be something that says areas of expertise or just expertise or specialization. And when I click there, I should see some of your specializations. There's no reason. And that's just on the website, but you mentioned content. Then write an article about it, right? Do a podcast about it. Do a webinar on it. Do some white papers. Make it clear to your customers that this is this is us. We're, this is what makes us different and better. Yeah. And like when you click on that specialization section or expertise section, it shouldn't just be everything. And that's right. the approach a lot of brokers <laughs> take, right? I feel as though they, they, they have this fear of excluding customers right. because they don't put on a specific commodity or a specific equipment type. But like that's the reverse way of, the, of how you should be looking at it, you know? Yeah, when you think you're everything to everyone, you're really nobody to everyone. That's the problem you have. To, and you know, the crazy thing about it, Nick, is you said consumer packaged goods. For most companies, if you said, hey, I, I captured 1% of 1% of the consumer package moves, that's a, <laughs> that's a lot of business. So there's no yeah. reason you have to go further than your specializations. And that doesn't mean when somebody calls up and says... Hey, I've got some dry van. It's not CPG. Can you move it? Of course I can, right? Yeah, and there's no reason you can't expand beyond that. You know, like you could have multiple specializations. You can, but particularly, it's a great place to just to start. Sometimes, you know, right. and there's like don't limit yourself to just to just a commodity. I mean, you can specialize in commodities, equipment types, size of businesses. I mean, maybe you specialize in small and medium sized businesses. I mean, it's like. Yeah, the options are almost endless in right. how you can market yourself in terms of specialties. Right, right. So I had the guys from Ruan on my podcast, and they talked about they move a lot of milk. Well, once you mm-hmm. start moving milk and you start saying, oh, they have unique challenges, and, and they need the following things, and they have some specialized equipment and all that, they now they're a trucking company, so they they have their own trucks. But they, they really leaned into it. They didn't go like, hey, we can do anything for you. Well, when you say you can do anything for the milk guys don't want to talk to someone who says we do everything. They want to talk to somebody who does milk. And I think, Nick, where it, when we talk about like the sales end of this, if I'm a broker or 3PL and I have to leave a voicemail somewhere and I specialize in, let's just say, retail, and I can call the retail guy and say, hey, this is, uh, this is Joe, and I'm calling. I'd like a chance at your, your, your business. And uh, we work with six other retailers. We work with Target. We work with Costco. Mm-hmm. And you go through that and you say, I understand the unique problems you have. And I always throw this out there. There's no reason also. Do a webinar and invite that person who you've been bugging on the phone. Invite them to the webinar and say, hey, Nick, I, I know I've been bugging you on the phone lately and we haven't connected, but um, please jump into my, my new webinar. And then they go, oh, no way. That guy actually is an expert at this. Yeah, and you... 
like you mentioned leaning into it, like I'm trying to restrain myself from saying that over and over and over again today <laughs> because it's so important. I mean, you can't just put your specialties on your website and then forget about it and think that it's going to do something for you. You can't just put out one article and then think that that's going to like, change the world. You right. need to lean into it. Like you need to really lean into that marketing and just push it out as much as you possibly right. can. And this also, and we'll get to this in a minute, but this can also apply to the individual. And so if you decide, hey, my company really doesn't have a specialization or they have some, but I want a different one. Or if you write one article per month, do a podcast or do a, a video or whatever you do, one piece of good content, well thought out, mm-hmm. one a month. After two years, you have 24 pieces of content. You, you're sharing that on LinkedIn then when somebody connects with you on LinkedIn and says, oh, I was looking for someone who specializes in CPG, and they look and go, well, geez, oh, Pete, look at this guy. He's written all these articles. He's he's writing about my problem and, and the best solution for it. That's that's where you want to go. Yeah, and be consistent about it. It's not just one article this month and then, oh, whoops, I forgot the next couple, and then I put one out in three months. Yeah, every single month, do it. I told Nick when we were prepping for this that there, somebody was ask, telling me they wanted more sales and I was talking to them on the phone and I looked them up on LinkedIn and they kept saying, I'm a small parcel expert. And I looked at, I said, oh, I just sent you a LinkedIn connection. They're like, oh yeah, okay, I see it. And I said, it says that you sell insurance on your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> and they go, oh no, no, I got a new job. And you know, I said, I said, this is just me talking, but you don't seem like an expert in small parcel when you have insurance as your job. <laughs> Yeah. And he goes, no, no, I need to update that. I said, it's, you need to do more than that. Because people are looking on LinkedIn. If you've got a, a LinkedIn profile, we'll talk a little bit about this in a second, but when you've got a LinkedIn profile that doesn't reflect your expertise or your, it's just as bad as your website not re- reflecting your expertise. So anyway, Nick, let's switch gears. What's the second way we can make ourselves different and better? So the second way we talked about is really leveraging your technology to make those differences clear. And by this, what we're talking about is there's a lot of fluff out there in the industry. I mean, there's a lot of people like saying that they have innovations and just kind of vaguely talking about whatever yeah, they technology they have. Off the shelf tech. <laughs> yeah. They, like they have off the shelf tech that they're saying is the most innovative thing in the world. So if you have something cool that you're doing, if you have some proprietary tech, or even if you're leveraging some off-the-shelf tech extremely and the, well. And that, that, yeah, I don't want to disparage that too much because you can use, if you're using it to the fullest, and you know, I understand people will get technology and use 80% of it, and then others will use 100% of it and then actually modify it and get some integrations that makes it even greater. So they can have something pretty slick. Exactly. Like if you're using off the shelf tech and you're, you've automated 30% of your booking, I mean, shout that to the rooftop, tell everybody about right. that. Right. I mean, you've got digital, like so-called digital brokers out there, some of which probably aren't automating that much of their, their actual booking process. So right. if you have cool tech and you're actually driving innovations, talk about it all the time. Tell you, tell right. the world. Yeah. You know, and I mentioned, uh, you mentioned ruin. I'll mention one more time is one of the things I had them on my podcast. They were talking about, the idea of the technologies in their truck. So it's not just mm-hmm. digital freight. It could be technology on your truck or technologies in your warehouse if you own those kind of assets. So it's just kind of figuring out, you know, hey, we've made these big investments. We can do it better than most because of these investments. Let's let's talk about it. Let's, let's make people aware that yeah. we, we have this. Yeah, and talk about, like, not just the technology, but the implications of it. Right. You know? And <laughs> right. Like I'm going to veer, I'm 
I'm going to apologize. I'm veering off of our brokerage specific topic here. I'm talking about actual technology for a second. But like visibility platforms, for instance, like if you're a visibility platform, but what you're actually doing is giving palette level visibility to things, don't just generically say, oh, we're a visibility tech. Well, okay, like that's great. That encompasses a lot of different stuff. You know, if you have palette level visibility, talk about the implications of that. Talk about how like you can track individual pallets and let them know when they're right. going to arrive at your warehouse. You can decrease the amount of claims that you're going to have against you because you can tell temperature-wise when fluctuations occur right. in transit. You know, there's there's so many different ways to talk about the implications of that right. that you don't need to just rely on oh, we're overarching idea. This is what we are. Right, right. You want to get to the place where you're talking about saving money, going faster. Yeah making you more money, right? Reducing damage, you know. And when you talk about visibility, it's getting to that place and almost like saying, yeah, we have electricity where we're at. You're like, oh, cool. I mean, the implications are enormous. <laughs> like, yeah, mm-hmm. I know you can have laptops and lights and that's all cool, but it, it it loses meaning a little bit when everybody's saying it. And I really do feel like we've got to a place where there's a spectrum of visibility. So you can say, we give you great visibility, because we do check calls every half hour <laughs> and then enter into the system. And then right. there's somebody else on the other end of it saying, oh, no, no, it's the cutting edge of visibility as opposed to, you know, no, no need for check calls. Yeah. I mean, I, I happen to have been on the soapbox a lot recently about visibility. Some people agree with me. Some people don't. But I agree. Like, it specifically is a spectrum now. So, like, no matter what you're you're marketing yourself as, it's important to talk about those implications because right. those are really what differentiates. Right. And yeah, if you can get make that clear in a demo or in your in your messaging. And again, mm-hmm. when we talk about being different and better, what we are talking trying to talk about is your messaging. And so, I think customers expect visibility. And so, you know, if you can say as you just said, give you palette level visibility, minute to minute. That okay, that that that's being very specific about the implications of the visibility. So. You know, one one of the other things that came up when I was talking to Tim Reister, and again, this is related to sales, is that if I'm calling you, Nick, about, and I re- actually talk to you and I'm trying to sell you on what I do, if if I make you feel the same, like, oh, okay, yeah, my current guy does that, or yes, of course, right, you're not going to move. You're not, you're not going to make a move to me. If I make right. you feel dumb, if I like, go, oh, Nick, you guys are so far behind, you don't even know what you're doing you're not going to buy from me. <laughs> right. But if I make you feel smart, if I can bring a unique insight to you, if I can bring something different and better to you, that you go, oh, yeah, these guys specialize and they got technology. And, and now all of a sudden, that is something where you go, you know what? That addresses some of the problems we have. And, the, and then you walk back and you talk to the boss and you can be smart internally. That works. No one wants to go to their boss and go, geez, oh, Pete, I just talked to somebody. Apparently what I've been doing is 10 years out of date. <laughs> right? No one wants to have that conversation. You want to be the smart guy. We all want to We all want to be recognized as having done a good job and being a smart person. Yeah. No, I, I think that's actually a great way of summing it up and talking about how you want, like how you want to make people feel during the process. So like, right. great insight. Yep. So it's not mine. It's Tim's. <laughs> so, so, um, speci- Tim, great speci- insight. <laughs> yeah. Specializations, number one. Technologies, number two. And Nick, when we were prepping, you kept saying, be careful with technology because not all of it is makes you that different and better. And if you aren't, if you don't really understand the implications of it, it's not, it's not a winner, right? So be able to tell, talk about the business value that it provides. 
Exactly. I mean, if you're just tech kind of for tech sake doesn't pushing work. <laughs> in, in innovation, yeah, tech for tech sake doesn't work. Exactly. I don't think I need to go down that rabbit hole too yep. much. So what's the third way we can make ourselves different and better? So the third one we talked about was really leveraging social media and like either like making yourself an making yourself an influencer. I hate the word, but influencer is part of that. But again, I'll, I'll use myself as kind of an anecdote here. You know, I haven't brokered freight in a couple of years almost, but like I personally still get people, I get people reaching out to me now to move their freight. The only (laughs) reason they do that, (laughs) well, it's crazy. I just, I post enough operational freight brokerage stuff on social media that you never know who's looking at it. You know, people right. read this stuff and they think to themselves, oh, like he must actually know what he's doing to some degree. Right. Well, let me reach out to him about this. So there's a huge market for that. I mean, you don't need to. I mean, Joe, like I don't have anywhere near the audience you do. I mean, I'm I don't even really consider myself right. an influencer, really. But you, you never know who's looking <laughs> at it. No. And I think, Nick, there's you bring up something I think is very interesting is what what you do is you'll put some posts out there and you're actually write some new insights. So it, it's not just. I took an article from my website, from Kinetic's website, and put it on LinkedIn and said, there you go, be impressed. Some people might click through and read that, but if you were to put some words there that might be 10 bullet points, and that's what I, that I saw something recently on your LinkedIn profile that, where you did do that, and it was cool new insights. So the article could be a year old. It could, it could be an article from someone else's website. Recently, I saw a whole bunch of people do a good job on that. And I told you, I, I reached out to people on LinkedIn, who I might follow, who I, who might might be connected to, but really don't know. And when I see them post something, I reach out, say, "Come on, my podcast and talk about that." So, it this stuff can can take you somewhere. It's funny. I remember years ago, I did when I was still general manager, COO at a three PL. I did a podcast or webinar. I'm sorry, webinar on how to select a third party logistics company. And I played it straight, even though I ran a 3PL and I wanted the business. And yeah. when I did the webinar, I was a little disappointed. I had like 40 people sign up. And I think I had like mm, 10 show up, which is pretty disappointing. And then I was looking, I was like, well, four of those guys are no brokers, so <laughs> they're not coming in. And so I was a little disappointed, but it was my first one, right? Put that on YouTube. A year later, somebody called and said, hey, we watched that webinar and we have a conference. Would you come to, down to Texas and speak on this? And wow. so you never really know where it's going to go. And th- so my, from my perspective, you create that content. It's also, Nick, I think you can confirm this. When you sit down to write content, it forces you to get better at what you're doing. It actually does. You're right. I get you have to think. You have to think about what you're writing. And... After a while, you go, well, that's not enough. Then you start Googling and reading other articles, and then you come back and go, no, here's what I need to put in there. You get better at this business when you write about it. Yeah, that's actually a really, really good point that I'm I, I'm experiencing it right now. Like I'm writing some articles for a couple of different freight tech companies, and mid-article, I'm realizing I don't know enough about like X, Y, Z to really like talk intelligently about it. So now I got to go do all this research about this other subject, and right. it's helping me learn more about like the industry as a whole and these specific technologies, um, right. which like only makes you better. What, so one thing that you mentioned earlier, I'm circling back to the influencer stuff. It's not about like like you said, it's about putting out the content. And like putting out 
things that people actually get value from. It's not about tracking your likes or seeing how many views right. you have or how many follows you have or like whatever else is out there. It's just about putting valuable content out there that people that resonates with people because you just you don't know who's going to look at it. They might not be right. liking your posts or they might not be like retweeting or whatever else is out there, but they are looking at it. And the fact that they're looking at it is big. The information is out there forever. That's how I look at it. And I remember doing I've done webinars where nothing came of it. And then like a year later, somebody calls and says, hey, you're the guy who did that webinar on cross border for Mexico. Can you help me? And I was mm -hmm. like. I no longer work at that company, but yeah, I can help you. <laughs> so, so yeah, so it's 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 leveraging social, but I think it's more than just creating a profile. You got to create a profile on LinkedIn. If in, and and you mentioned some of these other social media platforms, I don't use them too much, but like Instagram, Instagram Reels, TikTok. You mentioned what Telegram. Yeah, so like I'm very active on LinkedIn. I need to be more active on a couple others. It's it's but, hard to find the time. I don't have uh, the time to be everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and like some of it just has to do with knowing your audience. You know, I was talking to a guy the other day that I mentioned. He's got a company called Freight Caviar, and he's really active on Instagram and Telegram. I believe right. it's called. <laughs> right. He's got a good following on both of these things. He he puts out pictures and messages and stuff, and like people have gotten to know him, and he's getting customers from it, his presence on these two platforms. It's funny. I, I, I swore to God I would not get involved with it when it came around, but TikTok and Instagram Reels, there's people who are business people put on stuff on there. And I was watching Mark Cuban talk about cryptocurrency this morning, and I was yeah. like, oh, he's on, he's on, I think that was on Reels, but it, it the stuff is out there, and you can engage with the social media and you know, there are no guarantees on it, but it is content. And and that kind of brings us to the fourth one, Nick. We we separated creating content and leveraging social, but they're, they are very intertwined. Because usually if you create content on your, and write an article, you're sharing it on social. But you have to create content that is aligned to what you want to do. So we've been talking about that specialization. If you have a specialization, all your content ideally is aligned to that so that it's it's building this story when somebody looks and goes, damn, look at this guy. He really understands this stuff. Yeah. And it's, I mean, the content thing is, it's intertwined with everything we've talked about, really. I mean, because it's not just, oh, here's a LinkedIn post. This is my content. You know, it's it's LinkedIn posts. It's white papers. It's blog posts. It's, it's right. videos and stuff like that. It's anything that you put out in the world is this content. And you need to... You need to be thoughtful about it. You need to make sure it's aligned with the messaging that you want to put out there. And there's some companies that do a great job of it, but they're in the minority. You right. know, if you look at Freight Plus puts out these videos with Chris Peckham talking about stuff and I'm blanking on the other guy's name, but they're great. I watch them every single time. Is it Aborn? Or? I don't know. <laughs> No, that's different. But yeah, like there are some brokers out there doing like great stuff with their content and like take a look at it and see what you want to do. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Different ways to do it. So our friend Chris Jolly does oh, some yes, great videos. Oh, yes, he is Aborn. I'm sorry. Like, formerly Aborn. Yes. Yeah. So so if you look, Chris Jolly puts out videos and they're great. I think he does one mm -hmm. every single day. Then you have Michael Nemi does a lot of great videos. Talks about CPG. Talks about his own journey as a building a business. And, and he specialized in CPG. And it's funny, over the weekend, I, he's a friend, but I, over the weekend I saw him time out his ADD, which that's another thing that yeah, probably some people would disagree. But I'm listening and I was like, oh, okay, 
I, I got new insights into this guy. He's a friend, but we don't talk yeah. about his ADD. But when you go, oh, okay, okay, that's a, that's interesting. Every once in a while, you'll see somebody talking about something personal. And 10 years ago, that would have been like, oh, no, 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 that this is work. Do not bring in your personal challenges or successes. But I think now um, there's this line is blurring. I mean, let's face it, over COVID, we saw people's kids barge into the room and screaming. <laughs> and so <laughs> watched you in your pajamas in, in a, a Zoom call. So maybe those yeah. lines blurred a little bit. <laughs> I mean, they they have. And I think it's a good thing. I mean, yeah. particularly, I think people in leadership positions, it's really important to incorporate that into whatever content you put out in the world. And again, like I said, I wasn't going to go off on certain tangents too much here, but like Andrew Silver at Molo, I think has done a great job of that in terms of like leading with empathy and really being open about like how he's leading Molo. If you look at some right. of the videos he puts out, some of them get fairly personal. And I think it's great that he does that. I think it just solidifies his position yeah. as a, a leader in the industry. Yeah. And you know, if there's people I always mention as great examples. And if you aren't following him, please do. Rick Watson talks about e-commerce and boy, oh boy, I don't know where this, he actually does research, research, not mm -hmm. just finding it on, uh, he goes to a lot of the earning calls, very knowledgeable guy. Ben Gordon puts out excellent stuff. Yeah. And again, he's, he's looking at this from a financial perspective and he's got a very interesting perspective. If he's writing it down, it's, it's the right thing to do. Jason Miller from Michigan State writes about, God, he takes government data and crunches through those, those data. His insights are incredible and well thought out so these are the things that are setting them apart and if i wanted to talk to someone who's an e-commerce expert i want to talk to the guy who doesn't say yeah occasionally i do something e-commerce i want to talk to rick watson because the dude he's created a new podcast and he's on my podcast he's speaking at conferences and he puts out this fantastic content on linkedin those are the guys who get looked at as flat-out experts, who, and that's who I want to work with. Mm -hmm. And like a couple outside the industry jumped to mind that I know I follow and listen to their stuff. James Thornburg, another Michigan Michiganian, Michigan, right? Yeah, we used to there used to be a debate between Michigander and Michiganian. I think I think Michigander worked, but I, I prefer the Ganian. <laughs> yeah, but no, like he puts out great sales content. There are a bunch of other sales guys out there. On Twitter, there's this dude, David Perel, who puts out great stuff on writing. I'm big into writing. I think it's a super important way of communicating ideas and important for anybody. So, yeah, Nick, this, this has always been one of my peeves. If somebody said, you just said something, uh, you're into writing. Now, you couldn't have gone through law school without that, of course. And, uh, but what's crazy is a lot of people go, well, I'm not a good writer. It's the first thing they'll say, I'm not a good writer. And I was like, yeah, it says master's degree right here. I see it. And then, and, and, or it says you got an undergraduate degree. I know if you have an undergraduate degree, you did that. I had to write a lot in high school. <laughs> Nobody feels like they're a good writer. You sit down and you write. <laughs> yeah, that's the only way you get better at it. And, and there are certain amounts of people who want to do that. And if you don't want to say, if you say absolutely positively, we'll never write anything, that's fine. Learn to do some videos. And, you know, it's it's not it's not easy. You know, it's funny because every time I'm doing video, I'm like, oh my god, look how old I'm getting. Look at how many chins do I have? Like, you, there's everybody does that to themselves. We yeah. over the last few years while we're on Zoom, people are criticizing. Say, I can't do that because I'm too ugly. I'm, uh, well, I'm I'm too old. I'm too fat. Whatever you are, figure it out. Get the lighting right and create content. And again, I think there's a lot of people who are who are sitting on the sidelines saying, I know I should just start. So we talked about 
developing a specialization. We talked about using technology to differentiate yourself, leveraging social, creating content. And Nick, one last thing before we finish this bad boy up is we talked about if your company chooses not to do this, we can all do this for ourselves. Because chances are the company you're working for today is not going to be the company you're working for in 10 years. You have a career and you should pick. And when I say this all the time, don't say I'm a freight broker. Say you work in the retail supply chain or the manufacturing supply chain or the cold chain supply chain. That's the wrong way, way to say it. I work in the cold chain, but you have to think bigger because there's, there's going to be a time when there's a lot fewer freight brokers necessary as things become more and more tech, <laughs> tech oriented. So get bigger, P figure out the industry you're in and it's not freight brokerage. <laughs> no, you're right. And I kind of approach this from both the individual and the company perspective, right? From the company perspective, let your employees do their thing. You know, oh, even yeah. if, I mean, even if you're as a company, not into social media, like in your employees want to be, it's only going to be a benefit for you. You know, there, there tends to be a fear or like sometimes I at least hear that there's a fear of, yes. oh, like I don't want like my people to be putting stuff on social media because I'm afraid that they're going to put something out that reflects poorly on the company. Well, my response to that is if they're salespeople and you're trusting them enough to be on the phones talking to people about your company, you're going to conferences talking about your company or representing you to customers, why wouldn't you trust them to put stuff on social media as well? You know, right. it's it's going to be a benefit to them. It's going to be a benefit to you. Will there be the occasional anomaly where someone says something they shouldn't? Yeah, sure, I guess so. But the same thing right. is going to happen in person. Right. And it, it is interesting you should say that, Nick, because when we were prepping for this, I told you about... I had two two people I asked to be on my podcast, and they very knowledgeable. They they usually if I ask somebody to be on their podcast, either I know them or I, I'm connected to them on LinkedIn and I like their content. Mm -hmm. And both of them said I'll look into it. And both of them said no because they they work for very well known big companies, and the company said you're not you don't have the training or you're at the wrong level. And so if you think you know, we're going to have people who are invited to be on podcasts or they're going to create webinars or whatever's happening. Do some training, give them some guidelines. It doesn't have to be anything super in-depth, but to say, guys, this is the messaging that we want to carry through in all of our endeavors here. And please don't say the following things. If you say, please don't swear or please don't disparage our competition, whatever it might be, figure it out and let them speak because this is the this is the world we live in. And I'll tell you, Nick, I would struggle to be at a company that didn't let me do my thing. And again, I'm not inappropriate. I can be irreverent and, you know, might say something a little, little off, but, but to some extent that, that uh, is how humans are, right? If you want robots to work there, you're not going to get the best people. Yeah, exactly. And kind of circling back to what you said at first from, from an individual perspective, yeah, go out there and put some content out. You know, it's yep. it's about building your personal brand to a degree, you know, because you're not the same as your company. You're your own unique individual. And in the, I'll just say in the sales process, people talk about how you're not necessarily being sold on, on the company. You're being sold on the individual person a lot of times. Right. So to that end, like be your own person and get out there and put stuff on social media that's important to you and that reflects why companies should want to work with you rather than your competition. Right. You can become, you can become that what makes the company. So in the, in the customer's eyes, you can become what is different and better about mm -hmm. working with that company. And 
So if they tell, so let's just say you're new in this business and they you, they say, okay, you got to bang the phones. You got to make a hundred, hundred cold calls a day or uh, 50 cold calls and 50 emails, whatever you're, whatever you're doing, you can go through a CRM and call all one kind of company. So you can specialize yourself. So your company might say, hey, we're a huge company. We're a billion dollar company. We do work in all sorts of sectors. You can say, that's cool. I'm going to work in industrial or I'm going to work in e-commerce or retail. So you can specialize yourself and say, every one of my hundred phone calls is going to be a company that does e-commerce. So you, and then you can create content about e-commerce. You can share articles about e-commerce. And then when you looked at your LinkedIn, it says, you know, transportation experts specializing in e-commerce, you know, and then you write about small parcel and truckload and all the different things as it relates to small parcel. I mean, as it relates to e-commerce. Again, you, there's no reason you can't specialize. Differentiate yourself within the pack. Yeah, exactly. Create that spot for yourself. Anyway, Nick, I'm going to summarize this bad boy, and then I want you to give us some final thoughts. So the name of the topic today is, again, different and better with my friend Nick Dangles. And the idea here is if you're going to sell, you need to, be, you need to have some messaging. <laughs> and that messaging has to, has to be a little disruptive, has to be something that catches the attention. It's got a little bit of a gotcha in it. So Nick and I talked about five areas. One is pick up specialization. When you pick a specialization, you know more about the problems and the potential solutions to the problems your customers and that specialty have. Second, technology. You can use technology to differentiate yourself, your company, or yourself. Leveraging social. I think everybody, I bet if I was listening to 20 podcasts on this, everyone would say leverage social, but it, it's that big. Do it. It's a, it's a way to connect with the world. Close related to, to leveraging social is content creation. There's no reason you can't get out there and create content and put it out on social and build Build, but first off, you're building your knowledge. When you're creating content, you are becoming more knowledgeable, but you're also making yourself different and better from the competition. And then last but not least, as an employee, you don't have to wait for your your company to say, this is what we specialize. You can specialize. And, and I would start here, look across whatever your company does and says, and say, hey, what do we do different and better than most? So if you have really good luck with ag, then get into agriculture. That say, look, that's going to be an area of specialization. Why? Because it's forty percent of our business. Apparently, we know what we're doing. So it really, you just have to start. Pick a specialization at the employee level. Nick, final thoughts on this bad boy? <laughs> yeah, final thoughts. So to kind of circle back to how we first started, I talk to a lot of brokers and three PLs who who struggle to differentiate themselves because they kind of see themselves being commoditized and it's all kind of doing the same thing. But my response to that is, it's really not that hard to differentiate yourself and to set up ways that you provide additional value. It's just about looking a little bit closer and trying to find those ways to differentiate yourself and then leveraging those across the different channels that we talked about to be a real benefit for your organization. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. So Nick, before you go, tell us a little bit about what's going on over at Kinetic and and who do you serve? What's your sweet spot? Yeah, so our sweet spot is we work with freight tech companies, specifically in areas like sales, marketing, and customer success. And we're also working with brokers. We offer full service marketing for brokers as well. If you're a broker who ever wants to reach out, and my contact information, I'm on LinkedIn more than I like to admit. So feel free to shoot me a message on LinkedIn or contact me at nick at poweredbykinetic.com. Yeah. So Nick, I'll, what I'll do is I'll put a link to Kinetic and a link to your LinkedIn profile so people can reach out to you. And 
So what benefit do these companies get from working with you guys? Just to put a fine point on it. Yeah. So the main benefit from a freight tech perspective is access to our industry experience and our network. Like I mentioned, a lot of freight tech companies struggle through like not having industry experience and like struggling to relate to people right. on the transportation side of things. So we're leveraging our network and our transportation experience to help freight tech with these things. Yeah, Nick, we're still in a place a little bit less every day where the, there's freight guys and then there's the tech guys. And there's there's a the hybrid. You're becoming that hybrid, Nick, where you know, at one time you were more of a freight guy. And over time, you work with enough tech guys where you're becoming a freight tech guy. And I would say there's Slowly a Slowly but surely it's happening to me. Right, right. That's the Borg. And uh, it's important that we become that hybrid because we've all watched technology companies that are adding a ton of value or can if they don't get the right freight guys involved to, to understand the customer and understand the business, you're going to fail. And conversely, freight guys without tech guys are going to struggle to compete. <laughs> yeah. I mean, technology and transportation is certainly not going away. So like, now is the time to jump to jump on board and to leverage tech in any way that you can to, to drive efficiencies in your company. Guys, uh, last time I looked, uh, the tech technology guys are like 14 and 0. They're like Alabama. They're like the, <laughs> they're, they're not, they're not going to lose here. They're <laughs> so. not going to. <laughs> so anyway, Nick, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. It was really great talking to you. Thanks again, Joe. It's always a pleasure being on. I really appreciate it. Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.